Hey everyone, you're listening to the Life by Taylor podcast where we learn and grow together daily. It is especially important for me to make it very clear today that I am not a medical professional, I am not a doctor, I am not a trained professional, and if you are struggling with mental health issues, if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, or anything that requires help from a trained professional, definitely seek that help. The information on this podcast is in no way intended to replace medical and professional advice. Another thing I want to encourage you to do before I begin today's subject is to come into this episode with an open mind and an open heart. You do not have to agree with me. You definitely do not have to go out and try any of the things I'm talking about. I just want to remind you to come into this episode making an effort not to judge. And even if you do judge, observe the part of you that is judging. Ask yourself what part of you feels the need to judge someone else and their experience or even just this subject in general, why you resist it, why you may fear it, because you don't have to do anything with this information. Again, I am just sharing my own personal experience that I think many people can relate to and also benefit from. So without further ado, let's begin. So I honestly don't even know where to begin the storyline when I talk about how I started to experiment with psychedelics and psychedelic assisted therapy. I think it's helpful to give you guys some context. For a majority of my life, I was raised by my Middle Eastern immigrant father who definitely is very skeptical slash judgmental of anything mental health related, really. Like therapy was considered bullshit. You don't talk about your emotions. You don't cry. And being raised in that kind of environment definitely plays a role in the amount of courage that it's taken for me to set out on a healing journey in general. Even the topic of spirituality was always considered bullshit in my house. You know, when I set out to be a life coach and when I definitely transitioned more into a spiritual space, there were so many things I had to work through because even till this day, I know in my dad's perspective of the world, what I do is really a joke. So to even take those things seriously, to even open myself up to trying therapy was something that required a lot of courage. It required a lot of putting aside all of the conditioning that I had raised by this type of person. And it's something that I still work through. Now, in terms of drugs, I want to talk about drugs in general because so many times we put things like weed, alcohol, shrooms, ketamine, acid, all these things, cocaine, MDMA into the same category. They're all considered drugs. They're all considered bad for you. I was definitely raised thinking of drugs that way because I have family members who had really bad experiences with drugs that caused them to be schizophrenic. So I actually had at one point three family members in a psych ward at the same time. My dad always instilled in me and my brother this very, very high fear of trying anything. So when I was in high school and even in college and my friends were doing things like Molly and ecstasy and cocaine, and actually till this day, I have never tried any of those party drugs. I've never done cocaine. I was never called to go to a party and do ecstasy or acid. And that was kind of hard growing up because I was always considered like the loser, the one that was like afraid, the scaredy cat. I had a few moments where I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I was like, no, I can't do it. I was so, so scared. And honestly, I'm kind of happy for that. I think that wasn't the worst thing for me. I definitely have an addictive personality. I come from a family that, again, has bad reactions to these substances. So I feel like it was better for me to play it safe when I had no idea what I was consuming, when it had no intention behind it, and when it was just being done in a very immature way. 
Now, part of my ego was attached to this identity of being someone who doesn't do those drugs, who doesn't try these things, who's very skeptical, who's very afraid. And as I started to set out on my own spiritual journey, I came across different teachers and different professionals who were talking about how psychedelics can raise your consciousness, how psychedelics can actually heal your brain in many ways and connect parts of your brain that then stay connected after the experience. I think the first thing that I came in contact with that really opened my eyes to the science behind it, right? The logic behind why these things are even used and why they're banned was an episode on Netflix. So on Netflix, there's an amazing series called Explained. And they had a season called Explained the Mind. And on one of the episodes, it was on psychedelics. It's a 25 to 30 minute episode. I highly recommend watching it if you're even slightly curious and understanding the benefits of psychedelics. In the episode, they talk about how there was a lot of funding for research on the benefits of how psychedelics can treat post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety disorders, depression. And, and they were overwhelmingly showing that these substances like LSD, MDMA, psilocybin, which is derived from mushrooms, can really cure a lot of mental health disorders. And I'm not so well informed on this history, and I'm sure there's many different angles to why they started to ban these drugs. But I would say that a drug that connects people to their higher consciousness, that reminds them who they truly are, can take them off of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. I could see why the system, for lack of better words, I don't really know where it started and why it started, would not want people to take these substances. I think drugs like LSD were first banned in like the mid-1960s in response to people having these bad trips and psychosis and they started to create a lot of narratives and a lot of stories in the media about how you can have these bad trips and lose your mind and all these crazy things that statistically were actually very, very, very unlikely. And it created this societal hysteria of these drugs and these psychedelic drugs as something that's super dangerous and super scary. And I even remember growing up in high school hearing stories of like a man that thought he was a banana and like peeled all his skin off. And I was always like, fuck that. I'm never trying any of these crazy drugs. Like it's just not for me. It's a hard no. I actually still have not tried LSD or acid. I think probably because I still have those fears and because of stories I heard in high school. I don't know yet if I will try it, if I feel called to, maybe I will, depends. Long story short, I had a really good friend that I admired, that I respected, that was also like a life coach, spiritual worker. He was a, an amazing guy and he's actually still one of my best friends. And he was like, Taylor, you have to try shrooms. And I was like, I don't know, I'm really afraid of that stuff, it's not for me. He's like, listen, Taylor, it's really not that different than weed. It's just a different effect and it feels so much better. Connects you to yourself, connects you to all living things, blah, blah, blah. Again, I was still very afraid to try it. And I was like, you know, maybe I should read more about this. And I think once you have the knowledge behind what it's going to do, what it does, how it heals you, what is advised to get the most out of it, then you go into it with less, with less fear. So I really went down this rabbit hole. I watched a bunch of documentaries, was reading a bunch of things. And at the same time, I was also being introduced to Ram Das, who's one of my favorite spiritual teachers. And if you don't know who Ram Das is, he is formerly known as Richard Alpert. He was a Harvard psychologist. He was a doctor. He was a very prestigious doctor at Harvard who started to experiment with psilocybin and LSD and realized that his practice was actually not helping people. 
He ends up going on this journey to India and becoming one of the most prominent spiritual teachers of our time. He's an incredible person to learn from. And it also opened my mind to, okay, well, maybe this isn't just a party drug. Maybe this isn't just for people who are like, I want to see things and have a good time. Maybe there is something deeper here. So the first time I tried psilocybin, I took a pretty small dose. It was like a chocolate bar with mushrooms in it. And one of the things they talk about is how important it is to have the right intention and the right setting and to be with the right people. I was with my ex-boyfriend at the time. We were in a beautiful, beautiful location in nature in Utah on this beautiful ranch surrounded by nature. I took a little bit of chocolate. It started very playful, very fun. Everything was colorful and feel myself connected to all the living things around me. You know, you really have this feeling of where do I start? Where do I end? This beautiful sunset that I'm looking at, I am a part of that and it's a part of me. And I truly believe that to be true regardless of these drugs. I think we're really all connected to the same source. So feeling that on a higher level and really having that validated for you is just so powerful. A few hours were going by and all of a sudden I started hysterically crying. And when I say hysterically crying, I mean like crying as if I was releasing suppressed sadness that was in my body probably for years. I didn't really know why I was crying. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel bad. I actually felt like I was like smiling and crying as if I was like releasing I had to release and I was showering and I was crying in the shower, just bawling, bawling, bawling. And I couldn't tell you why I didn't know why, but I started to feel like it had to do with my mom and I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know why I have never really spoken much about this, but for a long period of my life, my mom was not in my life and there was a lot of pain and feelings of abandonment in that sense. And it felt like I was really releasing what I never let myself truly feel. I came out of that trip looking at my mom differently and having compassion for her and feeling love for her again, something I didn't feel for so long. I really didn't let myself love her because it, she hurt me so bad that I carried this anger and this this resentment towards her that wouldn't even allow me to speak to her or spend time with her. It really repaired our relationship because from that point on, I was able to love her again. So that was my first experience where I was like, I am so grateful for this beautiful plant that God created to help us heal ourselves. That's what it is at the end of the day. You know, these plants, they are growing in the ground. They're not produced in a lab. So I was like, wow, God really hooked us up. Like he really created things to help us heal, to help us raise our consciousness, to naturally help us. And that was an incredible experience. And there were a few times after that where I just wanted to enjoy the feeling of being connected to nature. So every time I've done it, I never did it at like a party or something where I was like, oh, let's get fucked up. It wasn't about that. It was always like, okay, I need to work through something. I'm going to take a little bit of psilocybin. I'm going to go into nature. I'm going to set an intention. I'm going to let it do its thing. I would say I had a few really fun, incredible memories with friends doing mushrooms in nature a few times between that time and the next very profound experience I had was when I was in Hawaii this past New Year's. I took shrooms with me and I had a lot of feelings of sadness, a lot of feelings of I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough, I don't like what I look like. A lot of that was coming up for me. I think moving back to LA really reminded me of my childhood and feeling that way. I went into this like really dark, dark place and I was like, okay, I'm going to go spend the whole day on the island. I'm going to ride a bike. I'm going to swim in the ocean. I'm going to dance in the field of grass. I'm going to take these mushrooms and just have a day. It was one of the most healing and beautiful experiences I've ever had with myself. I could literally tear thinking about how healing it was for me. 
I felt connected to the most beautiful trees I've ever seen in my life, the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen in my life. Imagine feeling one with the nature that you see in Hawaii. And I had, I just felt so, so, so beautiful. Mind you, I was, I was eating really unhealthy and I was, I gained weight. So I definitely was not looking my best. I was, I kind of like broke out because the island and like the humidity made me have like a lot of breakouts and I never felt more beautiful despite my physical appearance. I really felt connected to everything around me and I never forget that. I still haven't forgotten that. And I think even on days where I feel insecure now, I always can tap back into that feeling and that energy, which is what is so amazing about these substances. They really do stay with you. You can tap into that frequency. I've had situations where I do shrooms with friends and they take more than me and they don't feel anything spiritual or deep because they go into it with certain expectations. They go into it wanting something specific and... I feel like you really need to know how to connect to a very deep and intentional source and to go into it without any expectations. There have been times where I'm like, okay, I want to take a little bit of mushrooms to heal X and I end up with like a very deep lesson about something I never even thought of going into it. I've definitely experimented with mushrooms. I was very comfortable with psychedelics. Since being back home, I had been feeling that I have trauma stored in my body and and this sounds weird, but... I always recognize that it's probably not good that I've never really talked through my parents' divorce or things that I went through in my childhood home that were really, really difficult. And anytime I try to go to therapy, the therapists were shocked. I mean, they weren't shocked because it's something that happens. You suppress a lot of memories, but they were always like asking me questions that I just didn't have answers to, like the most basic things. It's like I completely blocked out a huge part of my childhood and my past. I literally could not tell you how old I was when my parents got divorced. So I don't, I have no idea where to even start working through that. And I've been to so many therapists and I always felt like I'm subconsciously carrying this pain, but I just don't know how to heal it and work through it. So I ran away from home at 17. Like as soon as I finished high school, I was like, bye, going to Israel. I literally made a new Facebook page. I was like, I am reborn. Don't want to remember anything that happened in LA, not with my family, not with my friends. I'm starting fresh. And as much as I created a beautiful life for myself there, I always felt this feeling of, shit, I'm going to have to heal that at some point. And it would come up in relationships and it would come up in different situations where I felt like overwhelmed by my emotions, that I couldn't make sense of them. I would be highly triggered over things. And I was always like, one day I'm going to have to work through this. But I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how. So being back in LA, in my childhood room, around my parents a lot more, things come up for me where I'm like, wow, this is a really familiar feeling, but I don't even know where it came from or how to describe it. But I definitely have felt this sadness before. I've felt this anger before. I've felt this these feelings before. And I felt ready to work through this trauma finally. So I thought of going to conventional therapy and I was like, honestly, I don't even know what I would talk about. It's such a long process. And I've also learned a lot about how psychedelics can really speed up your healing process. Not that you should be in a rush, but it can really just do a lot of work for you. I looked up psychedelic psychotherapy treatments thinking maybe there's clinical trials that I can be involved in. But I was like, okay, let's just see what's available to me because I don't know if I'm actually an eligible candidate. My situation isn't that bad. I come across this website. It's called Field Trip. 
and it says something ketamine assisted psychotherapy. So for those of you that don't know what ketamine is, so I used to hear about ketamine and I was like, oh, that horse tranquilizer that girls in high school take when they go to a party or people take to get fucked up. What ketamine is, is it's a legal analgesic and it puts people and it puts you in a state of anesthesia. They use it for kids because it's safer. I honestly don't know much about its conventional medicinal use. But I know it's used for certain procedures and, you know, as an analgesic. What happened was accidentally they realized that people who come for certain procedures and are given ketamine who were previously depressed reported that their depression is cured, that they feel better. And they were like, oh, wait, shit, maybe we're onto something. So they've done a lot of clinical research to prove that ketamine can be super, super helpful to healing to healing depression and suicidal thoughts and trauma. I went into the experience not feeling depressed, but I was having these like waves of depressive episodes. So I'm, I definitely am not someone who has clinical depression, but I was going through these waves of like helplessness, darkness. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I am open and I trust in the power of psychedelics and so I went into the experience for that reason. I spoke to a psychiatrist and a psychologist. We've had like, we had like three meetings before. They got to know me. They got to know why I was doing it. They said, I'm very eligible for this experience. That it would be super helpful for me. And I felt really good going into it. I was 0% nervous. I was super at ease. Like the day before, I kind of even forgot that I was doing it. And they kept checking in with me. Are you nervous? Are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I'm chill. Like they were like, okay, like you're good. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly really open and surrender to the experience. I'm ready for this. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm not afraid. I laugh because I had no idea what I was getting myself into, guys. They prepared me, but I just did not think it was going to be as intense as it was. I show up on the day of my treatment. This was on Monday. And it was a beautiful facility. I got to choose the room that I'm going to have the experience in. And you're sitting in this like zero gravity chair. You're super comfortable. They give you an eye mask, a headset, and it's playing this very specific type of music for like ketamine therapy. Before we begin, we set intentions, we meditate, we do a really nice grounding meditation, me and the therapist who I've been speaking to before, who I know, and I feel ready. They inject a dose of ketamine into my upper arm and tell me to enjoy my journey. Now, here I am laying there thinking, okay, this is going to be like a, a process where I ease into this. It's going to, you know, gradually start to get a little more foggy and blurry. And what happened was <laughs> when they inject it through the arm, it is a very rapid experience. Like it goes from zero to a thousand in a matter of minutes, which I was not prepared for. And when you are on ketamine, you completely dissociate with your body. You cannot feel your body at all. You have no body. You're conscious, but you are not your body, which is also a very spiritual experience in and of itself because you completely detach from your physical form. In that moment, I thought I was dying because I couldn't feel if I was breathing. I, I felt like really short of breath. I was like, oh my God, I am for sure dying. Now, they assure you that you're not going to die. You're fully safe. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to come out of it no matter what happens on the trip. You're coming out of it. Everything's fine. But I could tell you I was going, I went into it 0% scared and had a very, very scary, scary first few minutes. I don't know how long it was, but it was very, very scary. I was imagining myself being taken to the hospital. I thought I was dying. I was, I could hear my dad's voice in my head telling me, you're such a fucking idiot. Why did you do this? Because I did not tell him. And 
I could feel so much judgment, so much pressure. I could feel like basically like everyone was looking at me like, why did you do this? You're so stupid. You're so stupid. And that was also part of the experience, you know, really just facing all of the judgment that I was raised with for going about these things and the voice of all of the people that I think would look at it and say, you're an idiot or you're fucking crazy. Why would you do this? And as I was facing my own death, as dramatic as that sounds, I had to accept it. And I had a moment where I said to myself, okay, Taylor, you might be dying. And if you are, then fuck it. Then let go. What, what are you holding on to? Why are you so afraid of dying, first of all? And second of all, if you're not dying and you're actually okay, then you're ruining this experience by being so afraid and not letting go. So I surrendered to my death and I think it was a metaphor for surrendering to the death of my ego, you know, to the part of me that's Taylor, that's a podcast host, that's a writer, that's a teacher, that's all these things, that's a daughter, that's a friend, letting go of all of that and seeing that I'm still there. And the part of me that's still there is my soul, is the essence of who I am. It's my consciousness. It's not my physical body and it's not my name and it's not what I do for a living and leaving all of the stuff behind that just isn't me. And it was then a really beautiful, euphoric experience where I was floating into different, beautiful, beautiful settings. I saw all of the people that I love on my trip. I saw people that I need to forgive, people that I asked for forgiveness. I really got to experience so much. They say for some people, it feels like a five-minute journey. Mine felt like a lifetime I got to see my parents together, young, loving me, and that was super, super healing for me. I had a moment where I felt my grandparents with me, who have both passed away, telling me, we're proud of you for healing, we're proud of you for doing this work, we're proud of you for breaking the chain and the trauma of like what we've passed on, and I just had such a beautiful, beautiful experience that was so unexpectedly intense both good and bad. You know, it wasn't good or bad. It just was. And I came out of it and I felt pretty, you know, you feel pretty loopy, a little bit like heavy. And in the 48 hours after you take this dose, your brain is like a sponge. And it's really important what you consume and what you listen to and what you do with that time because your brain is actually creating new pathways. So I wasn't going on social media or watching any negative news. I try not to do that anyways. But I opened up Ram Dass's book. I felt called to read from it. And I was reading about his experiences and how he would take psychedelics, feel this expansion of his consciousness and feel sad that it doesn't last. And eventually he came to the realization that you can reach those levels of consciousness through meditation and through living a certain way naturally. And I needed to hear that because there were so many times where I took shrooms or I took this and I'm like, oh, but now what? I come back to this world where everyone isn't experiencing that and I'm slowly starting to forget that and it almost would make me depressed on some level and I'd have to come back to it, not come back to it, take it again, but like remind myself what I felt, remind myself what I know to be true. So reading that was super helpful, reminded me that this is a temporary experience that helps me expand that consciousness, that can help me heal certain parts of me, but I have to do the daily work and show up daily to connect to my higher source, to connect to the deepest part of myself, to see myself in everything and everyone, the people I like, the people I don't like, good and bad, just accepting all of it and being one with all of it. And that is the intention behind what gets me really excited about things like meditation and mindfulness because 
those practices allow you to experience what you experience when you take psychedelics on a small scale every single day and therefore you're living from that state constantly. And that is actually what inspired me to host this free workshop on Sunday that I'm hosting on my approach to meditation and mindfulness because I always say just because something is good for you doesn't mean you should just do it. Same with these drugs. If you don't feel called to do it, don't. If you have been feeling called to do it and you're listening to me and you're like, now's the time, great. But the same with breath work, the same with meditation and journaling and all of these things and eating healthier and working, it's just always been that I trust it will come to me when I need it. It will come to me in the form that speaks to me. Just because I saw it on TikTok or Instagram or read about it in a book doesn't mean that I need to go out and do these things. So I have learned to approach meditation and mindfulness as a way of life to raise my consciousness and to tend to that part of myself consistently and really see it as this beautiful, beautiful way to come back to who I truly am. And before that, I was just doing it just to do it and it didn't feel right and it didn't feel good and I didn't enjoy it and I didn't get excited about it. And it's not that I do every day now either, but connecting to a deeper why definitely helps me when I do. So before I wrap up this episode, if you haven't already, I'm going to put the link in the description. You can sign up. I'm doing a free mindfulness and meditation workshop where I'm just going to describe my personal experience and my approach to it. And maybe it'll resonate. Maybe it won't. But I think it can help a lot of people who think it's not for them, people who want to get into it and struggle to, or people who do it and want to see it from a new lens and a new perspective and angle. I feel like there's so much more that I could say about psychedelics, what I've learned, what I appreciate about them but I'll share that as soon as I came out of the trip the first thing that came to me was that I looked up at the sky and I put two hands together and said thank you so much God for bringing me to this path there is nothing in my surroundings that would make this make sense not the people I grew up with not the parents I have not anything that I was taught or saw around me it's I don't know where I got the courage to go down this road there are a few people that I I could definitely thank for that. An old friend of mine, Shirley, definitely opened my mind to psychedelic healing and I will forever be grateful for that. This gets to her in any way. Hopefully she hears this and, you know, maybe I'll even message her and tell her that. But I just kept thanking God for for opening me up to this world, opening me up to healing, opening me up to spirituality, for giving me the strength and the courage to unlearn things and to question what I was taught and to question what the people around me tell me is right and wrong and true so that I can live a more conscious life. So I would love to read you guys what I wrote. I have not read this yet, right after I came out of the journey. Okay, I'm reading this back for the first time. I don't really know what to say. I guess I do feel myself trying to cling on to the lessons or the euphoric feelings that I had. I wanna write a letter to myself, past, present, and future me. I am proud of you, little angel. You trust yourself and God. You let yourself feel good. When your fears came up, you stayed aware of your highest self, your truest self. You are a beautiful light in this world, and you should not let unhealed people dim the beauty that is your light. You are wise beyond your years. You are kind, compassionate, intelligent, creative, and loving. You deserve the best the world has to offer. You make people feel good. You love to be love. Love yourself the way you love others. Show yourself the same warmth, understanding. Stand up for what you believe in. Stand strong in your truth. You are so loved. I love you. The universe loves you. Safta is protecting you and loving you. 
Your mom and dad love you. Surrender to the joy, the wonder, and the magic that is life. The fear will only leave you with regrets and limit your experience on this trip called life. Go deeper, love harder, open more, give and receive. Smile, dance, play, enjoy the expansive beauty all around you. You are as beautiful as this whole earth. The prettiest flower, the prettiest sunset, the prettiest tree. You are not your conditioning, your body, or your face. You are safe. You are complete. Trust your inner guide because you are the medicine. I am so grateful God has led me to this path of expansive, never-ending growth. I am fully alive and become more and more conscious because I have faith. I lean into the truth and I know how little we know and I find comfort in that. I was not expecting to read those words. I had no idea what I wrote. When I was asked what my intention was going into the trip, I said that I want to stop resisting my own good. I want to stop I want to stop listening to that voice inside of me that tells me I don't deserve success, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not this enough. I want to receive good and let it in fully and believe that I'm worthy of it. And we really are all worthy of that. So I'm going to end with that and hopefully you got something out of this episode. If you have personal questions you want to ask, if you want anything, if you want more information, definitely DM me on Instagram. I'd be happy to answer in whatever capacity that I can. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, screenshot it, share it with someone, you know, they have shown that ketamine can really help people with suicidal thoughts and depression. So you might really, really help someone. This is legal. This is done professionally. If there's anyone who you know that's struggling that can benefit from this, send them this podcast episode. Maybe just send them some information that can help. I would also be happy to send extra resources, books and documentaries and things that I've read and learned. So if you have any questions about that, reach out. And if you're enjoying the podcast in general and feel called to subscribe to a monthly donation that makes it possible, then click the link below where it says support this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate it. If you would like to join my workshop on Sunday, a free workshop on tapping into that part of ourself, mindfulness, meditation, then click the link in the description as well. Have a beautiful, beautiful weekend. I'll be back Monday. Shabbat shalom, and I love you.